Welcome to episode 14 of On the Rocks with Joe Warren. Today I'm joined by Ben Chrisman of Chrisman Studios. Ben has been a professional photographer for over 20 years, and together with his wife Erin, they have photographed weddings, families, and professionals all over the country. Being a photographer over the last decade, the onslaught of selfies and iPhone shots has been a challenge. Yet Ben has been able to prosper by emphasizing his angle on photography and life. Ben came into my life a few years back at a random coffee shop encounter in Charleston. I recently moved out of my home where my children lived as I was starting the divorce process. I was struggling to find a way for my kids to feel at home in my new house, and Ben recommended the kids and I do a photo session so we could have some new photos in my home. These photos adorn my house today, and Ben has been my photographer for all major events since. We can all take a selfie, but if you want to show the world a photo, you call Ben. And this is his story. Enjoy. What, where do you think the artistic nature came from? Um, my mom was an art teacher. Um, she studied art um, and then she did teaching the preschool and then I got kids. So she was very artistic. She always pushed me to have a creative job, even when I was a newspaper reporter. She didn't think that was creative enough. She was really happy when I became a full-time photographer in the newspaper. Um, my aunt was a wedding photographer. My other grandmother was a painter. So I have a lot of that in me. My grandfather was also an entrepreneur. He always had his own businesses. He had a Christmas popcorn company. So I have a little bit of that entrepreneurship from him. And then the rest is artistic from everyone else. What did your dad say about photography? He loved it. Um, dad didn't, dad was supporting anything I did. And, um, he was a land surveyor. And, uh, but he did, when we were growing up, we were obviously, my mom was a school teacher and dad like sold insurance, he delivered pizzas, he cut tobacco, you know, tobacco fields, he cut tobacco. He did anything to kind of keep us going. So, I mean, we were probably lower middle class, middle class, lower middle class, because how much was a teacher making? Right. $20,000. Yeah. $20, yeah. Um, and, uh, so I, they did a good job of never showing we never knew that we didn't have a lot of money yeah because no i was just gonna say i get it i mean it's funny that you know meeting you um at that coffee shop and i was living in the neighbor in your neighborhood and you and another friend of mine charles who's from kentucky as well who i met in dc when i moved there it's funny when you start to run into people from kentucky in different parts of the country they're all really like good people they're very nice genuine like kind of I don't, I don't know how to put it, like, you know, cons- I don't want to say conservative, but just, um, huh. you know, normal. Salt to their normal. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's they're not them. wild and crazy. I mean, they're maybe a little bit, you know, I admire a lot of my friends that stayed in Kentucky because they have such, they're just kind of, they have such a simple life. You know, we had so much mm-hmm. stuff to sure. our lives. And, and so I, that's one of the things I think that's brought you and I together as friends is that sort of like middle America background sure. where, you know, you're grateful for a baseball glove. Yeah. You know? it's, I think it's a good mix of like Southern hospitality, but Midwest kind of work ethic. Well, but you obviously, so you went to New Mexico, you said, mm-hmm. and then you, where'd you go after that? 
Um, well, I went to high school and college in New Mexico, and then after college, um, I studied post journalism, and so I went straight into newspapers in New Mexico. Yeah. When I was about 25, I kind of, after mom died, I just called my dad one day, and I was like, hey, I'm going to move to California. He said, okay. He did the same thing when he was his age, um, and I moved to San Diego. And I lasted there about five months, six months. Just kind of lived on credit cards. Um, Expensive. Yeah, yeah. I lived in my friend's living room. He literally had put up a curtain in his living room in Del Mar, San Diego. And uh, and I worked at a photo lab. And um, it was really fun. I dated a girl. We went out every night, went to concerts. It was a great time. And then my boss at the newspaper where I was working quit and moved back to Bentonville, Arkansas. So they asked me to come back and have my job back. Um, and so I took it, I just went right back to the newspaper I was at and I worked another two years there. What kind of newspaper were we talking about? Like a local? Yeah, it's, it's a place in Farmington, New Mexico. It covered the Four Corners area of New Mexico. And what kind of stories were you covering? Well, I was, I was one of the two photographers, so I would cover, you know, about six or seven assignments a day. I mean, whether it's, you know, what they call spot news where I'm driving around and just looking for a kid playing in a park or a kid murdering his parents, which happened a lot there, it was a really disturbing Jeez. place in, to work, and, um, and it's very close to Navajo's reservation, so there was, lot, there was a lot of racism there, a lot of violence, and uh, and then I would go shoot a high school basketball game at the end of the night, so it was just like every day was, and back then it was film, so I would go and have to process 20 rolls of film at the end of the day, and get them photos for A1 and the B1 and whatever they needed for every story. You've obviously, you mentioned, had some education in, in journal, in, excuse me, in photography mm-hmm. and journalism. Um, can you tell the difference from somebody that's just trying to do it naturally or somebody that's had, you know, instruction? I, I always feel like photo, you know, photography is such a unique talent that, you know, and not everybody agrees with each other's, everybody's photography either. So, I, I mean, who do you look up to? Who did you learn from? Where did you develop your... I, lack of a better term. Well, I mean, I definitely, that started in college when I had, my college professor was a documentary photographer named Stuart Trantham, and he ingrained us like the classic photojournalists that you think of, Cartier-Bresson and, yeah. and all the people at Magnum, and all these like classic black and white photographers who are going after more moment-driven documentary photography. So that's kind of where my, my North Star has always been. Um, he didn't teach us technically much. I didn't learn how to use a flash in college. It was all about kind of feeling and making sure that you're, you know, you're truthful in your photography versus you could go to a school like in Southern California where you learn that technically you can shoot anything, you, studio, like commercial, whatever it is. But a lot of those photographers, it's like $100,000 school. Like my college education was literally $11,000 total. And most of it was on scholarship, right? That's awesome. And you come out of Brooks, so you come out of you know our institute, and it's like you have $100,000 debt. Yeah. And most of those photographers don't work themselves. They become an assistance to commercial photographers. And unless you've got a whole lot of gumption, it's hard for them to like get out of that assistant mentality and start doing it for themselves. So the most successful photographers aren't the ones that go and have degrees they're the hustlers they're the ones that started small or didn't go to school at all and because photography is one of those things that if you don't have to go to school for it that's true i all. mean but but do you feel like you your education helped you it helped guide me to where i wanted to go 
So when I was like 18, 19, I knew I wasn't cool. I knew what I wanted to do in life. <laughs> like, um, Well, now and, you are cool, man. Whatever you've done, you developed it. So, no. Well, I, I was like, when I'm 25 or 26, I will be cool because I will be <laughs> doing what I want to do. Like I knew first two or three right years. Cool, it's cool. cool. Like I was just taking the first two years, it's just taking like general requirements and then when you start doing your major when you turn 20 you turn junior and then that everything starts taking off you find the right circle of friends and I was like I know my life is going to be a photographer and I think photographers are the coolest people in the world so I was like when I'm a f real photographer at 25 26 I will be the person that I know I'm not now but I'm going to be that's cool and I, so it was very clear-headed I never had any doubt about what I was going to do in life I think that's unique I mean, I, I, you know, a lot of people that are still 25 are still trying their first, second, third job, whatever it may be. I was the same way. I happened to get a, my, my folks gave me a Charles Schwab account in college. I traded a couple of stocks and made a few bucks. I was like, okay, this could be an awesome career. And I've never, never changed. So, but I think I'm, I mean, I don't know where many people have done it that way. And vice versa, especially. Yeah. No, I think most people spend their whole lives not really knowing what they're going to do in life, right? And that's okay, too. I mean, I, I encourage people to be. You know, try all kinds of things. Sure. So, and uh, yeah, if you don't know what you want to do, then it's better than just staying in the same. It's like being in a bad marriage your whole life. Just you know, you better you know, you better you've got one life. Um, same way with photography. Most photographers spend their whole kind of life figuring out what they want their look to be. So they go and float from this preset or this look, and they try this type of photography. I never had any of that. I've had the same color palette for twenty years. I've always known what I want my photos to look like, and that's never changed. I know that that's really lucky, and I think it's a bit, pretty big result of my parents passing away, and me realizing that I needed to like figure it out for myself because there's no one going to help me out with anything anymore. I had to do it myself. Mm -hmm. It's fair. Yeah. Um, did you? Uh, so you've now morphed into. I mean, your primary business is, I know you do a lot of weddings and you do a lot of pet photos. Like, what, where do you spend your time these days as far as photography is concerned? Well, I never intend on being a pet photographer ever again. I didn't like Really? Y'all had an amazing calendar, though. Like, that was a good little business. Uh, uh, yeah, but I didn't love doing it. And so I'm at a kind of a phase where I'm not going to do it if I don't really love to do it. And I don't like doing animals of any sort, um, photographing them. I do love weddings, though, so we've kind of reconcentrated our efforts on that because it kind of fits our our personalities you know weddings we like we like kind of being more immersed in what we're photographing I don't like quickie shoots you know that we see yeah. someone for 45 minutes and you never see them again that really gets on my nerves and because I can't I don't feel like I do a good job yeah um, and so we're just kind of going back to what we've always liked doing the best which is working with the, the same group of clients have kind of been working with for 10 or 15 20 years and uh, and then meeting new people that kind of get what we like doing and are excited about someone that actually cares about them versus they just want a pretty photo in a park. I can't do that anymore. Well, walk me through the challenges of photography right now, which is probably fairly obvious to the world, but you entered the business at a time when the iPhone and mobile phones were starting mm -hmm. to emerge. I mean, that's had to vastly change your industry. It's certain, the, the internet changed my industry. When I was 90, in 1997, sure. you charged me $300 to buy, you know, Exxon stock. Now, you know, that was free. Yeah. Um, and so we had to adapt back then. I went to fee, and that's uh, worked out really well for our clients. But, I mean, I can't imagine. I, I, I mean, 
is there it, it, it's got to, the pendulum's got to switch to a lot of there are people doing their own photos etc I mean you've had a huge mountain to climb with all this technology sure I mean we're at, we're at a point where literally every single person is a photographer <laughs> iPhones are really good they like, are good Google they're, phones are really good yeah you put it in portrait mode and you're there um, the the market has definitely gotten more high end like I mean I don't have we don't have any clients that uh, don't really value photography at this point. You know, our clients are pretty visually literate and they know they can't do everything. And most importantly, they can't be in the photo if they're taking it. Yeah, so we, our clients are people who care about their families a lot and they want to be in the pictures. They just don't want to be the person taking the photo all the time. And they want something that kind of shows who their family really is and not just the pretty picture in the park. Yeah. Um, because honestly, iPhone can do that in so many ways now. He's got to get someone else to take the picture. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's changed a lot. It's really, uh, especially with, with the last couple of years with the pandemic, that's really changed things for photographers a lot, but I think it's also made people kind of value what is important in their lives. So we've, like all the weddings we've booked, for instance, in the last six months, every single person has added video. Um, whereas video videography used to be kind of an afterthought with weddings. Now it's like they want that as much as the stills, which is great because I think video is something that's really important for people. And I think they want to remember what they sound like and what the parents sound like in the toast. And it's kind of woken people up a little. No, bit. that's fair. And you guys are, are you guys adding that as a service as well? Yeah, I mean our it, we had, our videographer name's Bly. He taught me how to shoot when I was twenty years old. He switched <laughs> to video, and we've been. I literally, he's my oldest friend. He knew my parents like, and we've been a team for twenty years now. So he filmed our wedding. So all the big weddings we shoot now, Bly's going, which is great. So you've seen a ton of weddings. You've probably done so many weddings that you've seen the flip side of weddings too. Like, have you have you ever had to get had a client that's gotten you worked with on two weddings? No, but it's, it's, we have in a way, and when my wife was a photographer in Atlanta, her company um, photographed a, a lady's wedding, and then Christmas Studios, our company, so Aaron left that company, you know, 13, 14 years ago, and then three or four years ago, five years ago maybe, we photographed that same bride's Second wedding, it was just, my wife did it the first time and then with her company and then we did it again with ours. Um, so that's the closest we've been. Definitely we get the divorce call a lot. I just get one of my very first weddings I've ever photographed in another country, in Mexico. The, the bride just called me and said, hey, I've got some family news and I knew exactly what she was gonna say. Oh, goodness. A couple I've photographed their family so many times, so many times in the last like 10 years and um, can you tell, and you, you know, you, you know, you, you get intimate, you've done a lot of my family's photos, and they've done my company's photos, et cetera, you, we've done a lot of work, and when you're, when you're taking these intimate photos of people, especially when it's a relationship, do you ever have an inkling, like, man, this doesn't feel right, or is that, I mean, and you don't have to obviously name anybody, but I would think you, you would be somebody that would probably could see it. You can't because we've been dead wrong in a lot of situations. <laughs> um, we were like, there was one wedding where literally Aaron and I, the bride, asked Aaron, like, do you think I should be doing this? And I almost told the groom, I, I really don't think you should be doing this. <laughs> and they're happy as clams now. They have like three kids. And then there's another, there's another couple. I was like, these guys are so in love. You get a call from the coordinator six months later, they'd split after four months. So uh, you can't tell. Yeah. Um, 
it's it's really funny because people on their wedding days act much differently than they do in real life. You can have a real asshole on a wedding day, and at, six months after the wedding, they're the coolest person in the world because they certain certain people, and I'll blame them, just don't love the stress of a wedding. Yeah, it's too hard. It's like too much baloney. Like in a lot of situations, they're getting married. They're having this wedding because their parents are making them. They're already married. And they just have to do it for the pageantry. There's all of these reasons why weddings are complicated. Yeah. And um, one of the our one groom who was really really challenging on his wedding day, he like literally just walked away from us taking portraits with his wife, and he was I think he was pretty high and drunk the entire time. Has one been one of our best clients we've ever had ever since. Like he buys our daughter clothes. Uh, he's the coolest dude, and I love getting to hang out with him and photograph him. But on wedding day, he was just not into it. Yeah, and I, I, we see that a lot. So I, so when we approach anyone we shoot, we assume that we're going to know them the rest of their lives. So we care about them, but we also looking out for them—not the person that they are that day, whether they're cool or not, but who they're going to be, you know, six months later, twenty years later, because we assume that we're going to be friends with them, and. We don't want to let them down in that situation because you know that it's sometimes it's just the day and it's not who they are. Well, you, you for the for my listeners who are new to your story, you use the term "we" a lot. So "we" is you and my amazing wife, Erin. Erin, um, who and tell me how that's this relationship came together. Well, Erin was a photographer in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, she had a company with the name of Core. Um, there, there are four of them total. Um, and then Aaron and I met at a wedding in Mexico in 2007, late 2007. And we were both guests at the wedding, and it was kind of love at first sight for me and Aaron. And um, less than a year later, we were living in San Francisco together. It's a much more complicated story than that because we both were in very serious relationships, to say the least. But um, it, was, it was kind of like a train that wasn't going to be stopped. Um, and we've basically been inseparable since 2008. Did you, uh, were you, how did you get to that wedding? Did you actually just show up to that event? I heard different stories here. So did you, maybe you were tracking her down a little bit? Well, I knew that my friend who was getting married who I'd never met before, well, I, I volunteered to shoot his wedding. He said, no, our <laughs> other friend's going to shoot it, but you can come if you want. I was like, okay, I'm going to come. And, uh, and it was kind of a, it was wedding photographer's wedding. So it was like the crew, like everyone That's was there. Funny. And I was not that well known then. I was kind of a nobody from New Mexico. Um, and so I kind of just, I wanted to be in that game. That's cool. To say the least. Yeah. What's Aaron's, how, what have you learned from Aaron and her skills with photography over the years? Aaron's amazingly empathetic and she reads people really well and she pays attention to them and she's really good at at understanding the family dynamics way more than I am like she's she really studies people she knows everyone's name she gets the relationships whereas I'm kind of a little bit more unfocused with that and I'm more visual and she is a little bit more thoughtful in a lot of ways and she kind of keeps me balanced a lot of times I can't remember people's names and she knows exactly who they are she remembers almost everyone's wedding date dating back 10 years she remembers everything um and so she definitely brings the kind of the more humanistic like thoughtful you know side of of us you don't see a lot of couples that work together and have so much time together that's that seems like you guys gel very uniquely yeah it's because she puts up with me really well 
she uh okay i mean she does honestly because i'm kind of the more moody hard to you are a little with. moody buddy i've seen that on the <laughs> tennis court a few times <laughs> well you know i'm a scorpio so i'm super passionate about whatever i do and so that can lead to me being kind of an asshole a lot of times and she's learned to that i i forget things really easily so we could i get mad at something that's nobody's fault but my own but then just completely forget about it you know in two hours and to me it doesn't matter like I was just gone and to her she's realized that I'm so forgetful that I don't care like she just has learned to just say oh Ben's just being an idiot mm. and she doesn't yell at me which is great what are you uh, switching gears slightly um, where's where's photography going for you in the future I mean Sounds like you've kind of mastered a couple areas. I mean, you know, I, I have I've had a lot of executives and owners of companies like yourself on here. We always talk about that stage of life where you get where you're kind of I won't say complacent, but you don't know exactly where you're going next. And how do you who do you get motivated by? Who do you spend your time with? So I know you've got you built a successful practice. You've got you know many many clients you work with. But are you going to change your style, your content? You're you going to go in a different direction? Do you see any? Opportunities like that. I mean, coming when we moved to Charleston from San Francisco, we intentionally built up this this portrait studio that was local based, just so we wouldn't be on the airplane all the time because we had our daughter Roxy. Yeah, um, that experience of building of like a traditional portrait studio, I learned a lot. We did it for three and a half, four years before, and then we closed it down in the middle of COVID. Um, and it was really, really helpful because it kept us home, kept us near Roxy. But it, to do that business well, it takes a different personality than I have. And so when COVID hit and we kind of had this realization of how, what do we want to do with the rest of our lives, it hit us that we didn't want to do that anymore. Yeah. Um, because it was, it's a business where you photograph several hundred people a year. And I really only want to photograph, you know, 50 people a year, 50 shoots, right? Um, so luckily we were able to get out of our lease. We got out of that business. We shut it down completely, but we've been running Christmas Studios since 2005. So we revamped our website um, and we jumped full, full in to Christmas Studios again. And we just reached out to all our past clients. And one of the things that I learned you know, with businesses, three ways to grow a business, and one of them is to get your clients to use you more often. And we weren't doing that. Yeah, because we were just shooting weddings. Yeah, and we just reached out to them and said that they all had families. We love photographing families the way we do it, and so I just start getting on airplanes and with Aaron, we just start photographing families like all over the place. Mm -hmm. And um, people like I have a friend I play tennis with named Peter and he just can't believe that anyone put me on an airplane to go photograph their family and that happens all the time like I was just in Maine and North Carolina and that's just our business because these people really value they get what we do and they know that we're care and we're never going to take advantage of them we're going to give them something that they hopefully can't get anywhere else yeah and I love that I mean it's that's why I'm a photographer is to be able to give that to people well, you, I can attest, I mean, you guys, uh, you caught me when I was kind of becoming single and getting divorced. I, I guess Lex and JV were two and four at the time. We we have pictures of you guys, I mean, pictures that you've taken of us all over my house from multiple events. Uh, and I didn't think about it at the time. I mean, uh, I think as a guy, especially as a single guy with kids, you don't, you know, there's no, there's no 
chalkbook. You know, nobody tells you exactly how to raise, and you're kind of on your own. And, you know, uh, and you don't think about the fact, well, I should probably just grab some photos here because they're going to be six and seven in no time. I mean, my, my daughter just turned five. So um, I could see it now. And you, 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 I mean, it sounds like you've tried to re-engage with clients every few years to do, you know, children as they grow and have more of a collage of photos that they can go back on. Yeah, and that's like one of the best things about my job is I get to kind of grow, I get to grow older with our friends who have kids and like you and I, our daughters are the exact same age. Yeah. Like I've gotten to see Lexi grow up, Yeah, um, which is really cool. And to see that progression is what you want to do as a photographer because you, you want to see that real life, or at least I do. Um, so, you know, I've gotten to a point now where we're, and that's what, in the middle of COVID, it kind of hit us. Like, what we're good at is getting to know people and being a part of their lives. So we've started, there's so many couples where we started with their engagement session, and we photograph their wedding, and we photograph their headshots, and then we photograph all the kids, and then we go on yeah. vacation with them, all these types of things. And we're like, that's what we need to do. That's what, Why are we trying to photograph 500 new people a year when we really love 50 yeah. families? Um, and that, and it takes, that's a lot of time, too. I mean, it, I, I sure. know how much effort you put in after the production of our photos that you've done took many, many hours, you know, many, many days. Sure. Yeah, and that was like the kind of more old school style. I mean, basically what I've been doing in the last few weeks is like I flew to Maine, I photographed this one family for like 24 hours, and then... I was in San Francisco a couple weeks ago. I photographed one family, an extended family, for three days straight. Um, I was just in uh, in North Carolina photographing the Hatton family. I photograph every year. I spent two full days with them. And so they get a lot more photos, um, but the results are better because I really get absorbed in what the kids are doing. So yeah. it doesn't, it's not a trans transactional shoot at all. It's like, I'm just playing with the kids. And I don't even tell them, don't tell them they're having a photo taken. Just say someone's gonna come play with the kids. Cause that's what I do. What about you in photos? You, are you, do, you, do you like that's to? <laughs> I mean, I have taken a few photos over the years of you and I don't, you don't receive them well. I don't know. It's hard. Especially if I have to pose. So I probably definitely give off the uh, don't, don't pose for me vibe because I hate being posed myself. You gotta change but, that, man. Like I, that's gotta be tough, though. It is. It's you catch me in a candid moment. I don't have to pose for you. I'm great. I don't mind being photographed. But if you make me smile, or especially the video, I really don't like being video. <laughs> <laughs> Videos forever. <laughs> well, that's you know, it's my father's a doctor and my brothers too. They can't. They hate needles. Like they won't. Oh, really? You know, they huh. won't. They won't like medical attention at all. So it's very just if you're in your various profession, it's like somebody giving me financial advice, probably. So probably not the best <laughs> idea. I'm like, sure, man, you keep it coming. Uh, <laughs> um, what about you now? Your your lovely daughter Roxy. You think she's has she started showing any interest in photography? I mean, she's still pretty young, but does she? Yeah, she's definitely said like my job. <laughs> she's talking about her job as a photographer now. Um, which is really cute. She also wants to be a vet and typical cool. gymnast, typical things, but she's yeah. definitely picked up the, she knows what we do and she, she has referred to photography as her job. Um, That's cool. cute. Yeah. Do you think you're, I know you play some guitar and uh, you moonlight in that a little bit. Do you think that you have that hemisphere of the brain that's just artistic um, and you could do other things? I mean, outside of photography, I know you, you, you see yourself being you know, a sculptor or an artist or anything else? No, I mean, when I was a little kid, I knew I wanted to be a photographer from like eight years on. 
I didn't really give myself an option to do anything else. Although there are definitely moments, like periods of time where I forgot it. Like I got really into tennis for a while. So a lot of the things I'm really into now are things I was really into when I was 10 years old. That yeah. not much has changed since I was 10 years old, honestly. Um, I realized that I didn't want to be serious about guitar and you're infinitely better at guitar than I am. And there was a point where I was like, I know I'm not good enough to write songs and be a rock star, so I'm going to really just keep the thing going. And it was a conscious decision going, I'm, I'm not good enough to do this. Um, and let's concentrate on what I think I can be better at. You know, so what do you do? I mean, a lot of people do photography as a hobby, you know, when, mm-hmm. as a, as a way most people should So what's it. like, I like to, I talk to a lot of pro golfers. I'm like, what do you do for fun? They're like, uh, I go fishing or, you know, I, uh-huh. I mean, so what, are, yeah, I know you're a tennis guy, but like, what's, what's an interest outside of photography? Because photography, you could probably do all day, every day. You could get immersed into that subject. Sure. Yeah. Well, at first of all, I love taking pictures all the time. I'm, I'm always, I've always been that guy that always has a camera in their bag. Um, with them always shooting and I feel like my life's kind of work is photographing my friends because I've always done it yeah I mean God help Roxy when she goes through our hard drives and sees like that's I because my memory is so bad I've always relied on photography to to help me remember everything that happens and so I treat photography like my journal Um, that's why I'm shooting everything all the time Um, and so that to me is fun I love shooting I especially like you know, I love a new challenge, whether it's I try a new lens or I, I bust out an old film camera. If there's something, I always have to give myself a little bit of an edge or a challenge because photography has gotten really easy with these digital cameras. Yeah. They're just automatic. So I tend to find ways to make it harder for me, um, and which kind of makes it fun because when once you learn how to take a good photo, it's kind of hard to go back to it, but it doesn't mean that it's easy. There's a ladder that you have to climb every single time you try to get a great photo. It doesn't just happen in front of you most of the time. You have to work at it. Um, so photography is fun. I mean, I do love um, tennis. It's probably my second biggest passion. I, I love roasting coffee beans. I love my <laughs> old 30-year-old Volvo. I love going to the beach with Aaron and Roxy. Um, there's... My mom taught me when at a young age not to be bored. And yeah. if I told her I was bored, she would be really mad at me and said, you can't be bored. That's, and then my grandmother got mad at me about being lazy one time. And she said, and I learned never to be lazy again. So those two things are pretty ingrained in me that I, I never get bored and I'm trying not to be lazy. So I don't do well sitting on the couch watching television. No, I don't either. Um, for a guy that's, for somebody that wants, wants to start taking photography like a little more seriously, like I've debated about it. I go on a lot of morning runs at dawn, you know, um, like what's a start, what's a good starting camera that, you know, somebody could go out and not, not have to spend a ton of money on. Yeah. That's the first, we, I get asked that. The first thing I ask is, um, what do you want to take pictures of? Is it landscape probably, or probably is it landscape. People? Yeah, probably. You know, and that's going to be. Honestly, a lot of times your phone is going to be good enough. Um, Google's about to announce a new phone that's got a 50 megapixel sensor in it, which is insanely large. Um, So if you're just doing basic stuff like that, then the phone's going to really get you by. Honestly, all digital cameras are good enough. It just depends on how big of a camera you're willing to take around with you, which is why I tend to work with really small cameras. and because that's, I always want one on me and I'm not going to carry a big ass camera everywhere I go. So I choose smaller cameras, smaller lenses, because it's a lifestyle choice for me to, I'd rather have a camera that I want to use versus 
a camera that's going to give me the perfect picture because generally I don't like perfect pictures anyway. How do you decide black and white versus color for, let's say, a, 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 a you know family or an individual? A majority, of, the most of photos are going to be color. We convert to black and white when it's a really good moment because black and white tends to look really good with moments. Or if the color detracts or makes it ugly. Like I don't like certain colors, like off, like light green and and you know muted colors. I don't really generally like. So indoor light tends to not be that flattering. So we'll convert to black and white. Um, but if but generally I'll keep it color because. Especially with families. I mean, families like color photos because they want their family to be happy. Black and white tends to be a lot more uh, subdued and sad. Not sad, but, you know, moody. And parents just want happy kids, so generally color fits better for that. Last good question after you is, since you don't really like to pose, and you have to deal with a lot of people that probably feel the same way, mm -hmm. what is a great tactic to get somebody to be smiling, engaged, etc. I mean you have to come up with some sort of tricks for your for your subjects. Well if it's like a if it's if it's one person, like a headshot, um I talk to them, I ask them like what are three words that describe you right now? Like what are you passionate about? What, describe yourself to me. Like and they'll have to think about, you know, am I gregarious, I'm you know, solemn or whatever it is. And they have to like dig deep and they've got to feel those adjectives and then they've got to shoot those adjectives out their eyeballs because the photos <laughs> come from like it's your That's eyes true, and your hands actually, yeah. that are the expressive part. So right. they've got to feel it first. And you've got to be able to want to photograph someone from the inside out, not just what they look like. So they've got to they've got to feel it. And any good portrait photographer doesn't just stick someone up against the backdrop and say, Here, this is whatever it is it is. You've got to kind of pull it out of them. Because a lot of times, if you're, if you're doing moment-driven photography, then you tend to want to become a little bit more invisible and step back and let that moment happen. Yeah. But if you're taking a portrait, I feel like it's, the, it's a collaborative effort. So you got to make them feel comfortable. The first, so the first thing you got to do is get over your own insecurities. Because you've, if you're insecure, then people are going to feel that and read that, and they're never going to give you the confidence that... You mean as a photographer? As a photographer, right. you got to get over your own yeah. self before you can be completely present with someone in front of you. So if you've got insecurities and you're letting them show, then it's gonna, it's gonna screw everything up. So you gotta get over yourself first. And then you've gotta be present enough to say, hey, that's when the empathy comes in. You've gotta really feel what it's like to be them. And you've gotta ask them questions. Everyone wants to be seen and they want to they like, generally, generally <laughs> want to talk, like talking about themselves right well that's why this podcast is born everybody loves talking about themselves so we're on like edition 14 people love to talk about themselves you exactly. just gotta ask them questions so. totally i know it's perfect and you're good at that so you just ask them questions and yeah. you get them to open up and it's generally the little seconds between the photos they think are going to be the good ones or that the good ones where they kind of open up or their eyes light up or there's some sort of feeling that kind of transcends just the typical photo that you're trying to take. Well, now I know that next time when I'm starting to take a couple snapshots of you, even though you're not going to, you know, yeah, I'll, go deep. I'll, 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 I'll bring out the emotion. So I do like asking people like really crazy questions though. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, or, or say if uh, someone's 50 years old, I ask them, you know, what would you tell your 21 year old self again? If you had to do it again, <laughs> you know, generally like I'm actually curious and I want to know because I, you know, you know, I'm 44 now, but I mean, and you're the, you were the same age, but you probably we probably don't feel our age. We probably feel like we're in our early 20s, right? 
and I still feel like I have a lot to learn. And so like, I like asking people questions because I still, I always want to be the dumb person in the room. I want to be the person that's <laughs> learning. I don't want to be the person people are asking, like how you do this. I don't know how to do this shit. I, I just know I take pictures and everything else I'm open to learning, you know? And so that's the mentality I kind of approach. You know, anytime I'm in a room with somebody, you know, I'm, I'm always happy to be the person that knows the least because I feel like I can. Well, I think that's being a little self-deprecating. I mean, you know a lot about everything, but no, I mean, I appreciate the fact like it's, you know, who you spend your time with, who you learn from is an important part of That's sure. why I've enjoyed these conversations. I've learned so much in the last year and a half of talking to people from all walks of life right. about stuff I had no idea about. I mean, I just knew they were interesting. And so, you know, and that's, and that's, uh, you know, I agree with you. So, as you know, the title of this is On the Rocks. You know, what, what do you think of the biggest obstacle was in your life, or maybe two, that you had to overcome to get to where you are today? It's funny. It's, I'll, I'll ask people that, too. I'll just say, what was the defining moment in your life that made you who you are? And definitely, for me, it was my parents dying. Yeah. Because when, when mom died, I still had dad to kind of back me up, right? And he was my best friend. And then when dad died, I went to the, I went down. Hard, yeah. like I was severely depressed, almost suicidal for about six months, because I was like, I lost my two best friends, and um, I was really close to my parents. But it also made me kind of buck up and realize that I had no support staff. Like all my grandparents are passed away. Like my family is very kind of strung out all over the place. I had no one to like help. I had no one to help me, and I was the oldest in my family. So, uh, so that really drove me to do exactly what I want to do. And I didn't care. I was just like, I'm literally going to do what I want to do. I ended up going to Asia. I was going to be a war photographer. I made these big choices um, that have really helped me out. And before my parents died, like I was okay. I did okay. And then after my parents died, all these things started happening for me. And I swear it was them pulling strings from wherever <laughs> they are because like I got super lucky all the time. Like all these things opened up for me. And I know that I was doing the same stuff. I just think it was them saying, hey, we're going to help you out. Yeah. And, um, and so when, when, when I have, we have clients that their parents die now and, you know, eventually, you know, this is going to happen to Roxy and it'll happen there. And, you know, and, and yeah. I, I'm going to, I, it's, I understand what they're going through and I understand loss. A little bit maybe better than someone who, like someone who has all the parents and grandparents and friends, you know, yeah. um, it just made me kind of, it made me tougher, but it also hopefully made me softer in a way too. Well, I always tell folks that life is not going to work out as you expect. And no. it's how you handle that fact that sure. defines your character. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, every time I speak to somebody, you'll, it's funny when you talk to folks that you look at and like, God, everything's just going great for that guy. Like he's got the world, but right. sit down and maybe things aren't as great. As, yeah. And we all have this kind of, aura about us that everything's perfect and fine and great and everything's going and you know when you get down to it um nobody's got that situation if something's going really good over here it's probably not going that great sure. over here and uh as we get older and i see my folks getting older and people getting you know more illnesses as they age etc it's just like it gets harder and harder and harder and harder and harder and now now i'm always always talking about how to be mentally healthy and emotionally healthy and you know, financially healthy and spiritually healthy and all those things and it never stops it never stopped. It's like I got to do it every day. You know, if I miss it for two or three days and I don't go work out or hit the beach or whatever, I'm not as good as I was like three days ago. So, I think it's I think it's remarkable that you've been able to build 
your name so successfully in this business, overcome such a, you know, a, a monumental experience, find the woman that you love so much and have a beautiful kid with, take intimate photos of photos like me. <laughs> You've got to feel, you gotta, I hope you set some, sometimes you look back and you say, hey, this has been a good life, and I'm pretty proud of what you've done. Yeah, and there's a part of me that's scared to death every single day. Like, I live with that fear. Like, I never, whenever Aaron says, oh, this was really good, I, I like instantly knock on wood. Like, I'm scared to death of anything going too well um, because I, I have that knee-jerk reaction of anytime something's going well, I know the roller coaster dip is going to happen. And that's how every. That's a bad thought process, though. It is, but it's just like I just I fear it. So I try to keep life is so unruly, and it's going to throw you things that you can never expect. So I try to keep things as calm as possible, because I know the ups and downs are coming. Like I don't need I don't need those ups and downs. I've dealt with them too much to need them anymore. Like I don't need that ride, that joy ride up and down. I just want to keep things as calm as possible because as long as we're healthy, that's all that matters to me. And I know that can be ripped away from us at any second, especially after the last two years. So it's, it, when everyone asks me how I'm doing, I'm like, as long as we're healthy, I don't care how we're doing. Like, that's all that matters anymore. Um, that's important. Oh, yeah. Well, as somebody that's used uh, use your services a lot, taking a lot of photos, my kids enjoy your time. Um, I can tell all my listeners that it's important. That now is an important time. And if you want to have memories of that, and you want to have them in a quality nature, something that you'll keep for your lifetime, I wouldn't go anywhere else other than you guys. So thank you for everything you've done for my family. I've enjoyed it. Um, and I'm sure everybody that listens to this should, you know, will want to learn a little, a little bit more about how they can get some of these uh, some of these moments engraved for life. So keep it up. And, um, you know, we'll probably have another photo shoot come up with me sometime soon. So that's something, <laughs> something to look forward to. But thank you, Ben, for the time. You're, you've done a really good job for me and my family. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.